This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's 5 o'clock on the most listened to sports talk show for your ride home. What? what? It is time for the Falcons Report. Guns it. Caught. Touchdown Atlanta in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. You shall not pass. The 5 o'clock Falcons Report. Oh, my heaven. The 5 o'clock Falcons Report is brought to you by Jack Daniels. Make it count. Jack Daniels. Please drink responsibly. And sponsored by MD Anderson Cancer Center on Dukes and Bell. We are Dukes and Bell. We start off every day and every hour by saying hey man it is good to have you listening on a wednesday that means coach arthur smith's gonna stop by we will get him a couple more times hopefully before the official start of the offseason obviously we play this weekend and then next week we'll get him but we got some questions we got to get answered and coach will be here in just a few minutes want to remind you hawks fans we are going to give away a pair of tickets to the hawks taking on the heat mlk day that is monday january 16th at state farm arena We'll give those away between now and 7 o'clock, so stay tuned as uh, uh, the Hawks always do a great job of not only playing on MLK, but, Mike, it's such a, a, a spectacle in the way that they handle it and the way that they do it um, and honoring MLK. It's, it's awesome, and it should be in our city. Right. With that said, I do want to mention this because we're, we are now, for the first time, hearing some of these coaches and players around the league respond to what happened with DeMar Hamlin. One of those guys is the Cincinnati Bengals coach, Zach Taylor. He spoke today, Mike, and he was giving a lot of praise to Sean McDermott, the Bills coach. And one of the things he said was, when I got over there talking about after this incident had happened, he said, the first thing Sean said to me is, I need to be at the hospital for DeMar. I shouldn't be coaching this game. And I think, again, you know, you don't think that these players or sometimes these coaches or where their heads are at in their mind. Human beings. First thing out of his mouth, he said, I shouldn't even be here. So, You had Sean McDermott, and you mentioned this. These coaches were on the same page, and then they were communicating with their players. But that was the first thing McDermott said to to Zach Taylor as they started to speak. And then, guys, remember, just a few nights ago, you saw them in the tunnel and those guys communicating with the NFL. But um, Zach was talking about today the the whole experience, and it's the first time we've heard from him. We're going to ask our coach about it as well here with Arthur Smith coming up. But uh, he praises – he praises McDermott in many, many ways and, and said the Bills organization navigated an unprecedented situation. Right, and, you know, again, I know that the NFL eventually did get around to talking to the media about 1230. Roger Goodell wasn't present. Troy Vincent did his rap. And, you know, th- this was driven by the players and these two coaches. And that's why hats off to Zach Taylor. I mean, I, I think when you look back at it now, we've got, you know, three days, now almost three days removed from it. This is where you should have been, and the NFL should have been using more common sense and there was just no way you could sit there. And whether or not the, the whether it was erroneous is five minutes to get ready. But remember, they had Buffalo on the field. They finally that's when the coach the coaches the referees didn't say take it to the locker room. The coaches said we're going to the locker room. 
So I think it's a bit revisionist for the NFL to try to say, like, they had a handle on this. No, this was driven by the coach and the players, and hats off for them for doing it. Yeah, McDermott and, and Coach Taylor for the Bengals and the Bills. Let's talk to our head coach, Arthur Smith. And, Coach, I do want to start there because this is a story, obviously, that has, has been around the world, and, and it's leading the storylines for the NFL this week, even with playoff implications in the last week of the season. And I just want to get your thoughts, if you have any, on you know the way this all played out in the NFL this week and how the league has responded to this unusual situation with DeMar Hamlin. Obviously, you know, we talked earlier today uh, and made a statement, you know, just how much we're supporting uh, DeMar and thinking about him and, and there's a lot of prayers and and you know our hearts are out to him and his family and the Bills organization. Um, certainly it's had an impact on the league uh, when everybody you know saw something an incident like that and uh, certainly happened before everybody's eyes on a public stage and it affected a lot of people and um, so yeah I mean there's a lot of things that I'm sure I just kind of heard you guys on the intro there talking about and um it, it is unprecedented, and and you could tell on the field, and I, you know, with the coaches and the players, and uh, it impacts you as human and as people. And, and I think people forget that sometimes when they're at the game, you get so emotional, you get charged, and you take a step back, and and you have some perspective. This is about life, and uh, and a lot of guys, a lot of people in the NFL and the sports world have rallied around. It is the head coach of your Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. First off, congratulations on the big win. And Desmond Ritter gets his first win, and it's a come-from-behind victory. And the only thing missing was a, a game-winning touchdown. We got a game-winning field goal and almost had his first touchdown throw. Yeah, I thought he played the situation really well. I mean, you get in that – anytime you can end the game uh, on the last play and not give them a chance to answer, uh, I thought he handled the situation really well. I thought Tyler Algier handled it. Uh, you know, the third – the game kind of ended on a third down throw to Pruitt, uh, you know, wanted to put the ball in his hands, could have gotten conservative there, but, you know, I got a lot of faith in Desmond and I, he made a heck of a play. Coach, we got one more. I'm calling him one more test. I don't know if it's fair. I don't even know how you look at this. I, I do know just from your short time being here, you don't commit to players. You don't do that with anybody. When you start talking about going into an off season next week, once the year is done, once the season is done, but I'm curious, just, we use this term eye test. Coach, he's passing the eye test for me. Do you? Is he doing it for you? I mean, I don't know. We've had this discussion with fans, and I'm like, yeah, there are things that I want to see more of from Dez, but maybe the circumstances don't allow it. But he's passing the eye test for me, Coach. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think what you're seeing, uh, you know, we've been very encouraged. And, you know, there's a lot of positive things that he's doing. And, and again, I, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and, we weren't blowing smoke up people. I mean, it, we put a lot on them as a rookie, and, and it's a big part of how we operate. And as we continue to to improve and, and grow, I mean, we we feel good coming out of this year about the lines and scrimmage and things we don't. We need to be more balanced. Uh, I think Des has certainly shown uh, he can operate in critical situations when it comes down to third down, two minutes, and he's played some good defense so far. And He'll continue to improve. I mean, he's going into his fourth game, and and uh, I've been very encouraged so far. 
I mean, we, we've seen him get Drake London more involved. One thing, now again, I'll, I'm not going to be fanboy or, or stat guy or Twitter nerd, but from where I'm sitting, uh, you get the you get the film and you're breaking it down all week. Are the receivers getting the, the separation too? Sometimes it seems like uh, it's that's not that hasn't been as, as maybe as it could help Ritter out if these guys are a little bit more open. I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, it's, there's a lot of things that go on in the play. You know, if you got to move off the spot, uh, you know, the snapshot may may tell a different story. Uh, certainly, you know, there was a couple of things. We, we tried to push the ball on the field last week. Uh, you know, they were playing. It backed out of there. I thought he made some smart decisions, you know, with the, the last drive to CP to check it down and got us kind of going in the drive. There was one earlier in the game off a shot that he got to Algier, and Tyler made a pretty good play with the ball in his hands. I mean, those are efficient plays. And then I thought he threw a heck of a ball to Bird. Right. You know, he talked about moving to his left. Um, those are things that are encouraging. Now, we got to – the next step, we got to make those plays. Don't get me wrong. But mm. – You've seen a lot of different throws. You've seen a lot of different launch points. Um, and he's operating pretty well for, for a young player. So those, all those things are encouraging. And then, like you said, the smallest thing can break down a play. And uh, it is nice to see his connection with Drake. Those guys have some chemistry, and that's, that's encouraging as well. Coach Arthur Smith, our guest guys here on Dukes and Bell. Coach, I'm not going to ask you, because I don't know what we're going to see with Tampa Bay. I, I, don't even know, I don't know if you know. But I'm not going to ask you what Todd Bowles would do, but you've been there. You've been on teams that have are going to the playoffs. You're in this position. What's your mindset? I'm asking from your experience in, in the way that you've encountered this because I don't want to – it's unfair to ask you what Todd Bowles is going to do because I don't know what he's going to do. What have you guys done and what have you done and what has been your approach in the past? Well, it just kind of depends where, where you're at, where you think your team's at. I mean, there's a lot of different philosophies about, you know, staying sharp going into that week. Um, so, you know, they're going to make the decision that's clearly that's best for them because they're going to turn around and play, a, you know, a week from now. Um, you know, there may be a guy or two that's a little banged up that you rest because that's the smart thing. But, again, you've only got – I mean, I know there's some, you can use some standard elevations, but the most you can put up is 55. So, you got to – you know, guys that you're planning on playing next week, it's not like you can put guys on IR this week to get 15 more guys up. Uh, that's not possible. You can only do two standard elevations. And so, and then you got to get back down to 48. So, if somebody's really dinged up, yeah, they, they shouldn't, they probably, they probably won't play, but most of those guys will be out there. It is head coach of the Falcons, Arthur Smith, was here on Dukes and Bell, our weekly visit, short work week as we get ready for the final game of the season. One thing I said on Twitter, and Carl and I have been talking about it, we just love Tyler Algier. Carl talked about it at camp. This guy just hits the hole with ferociousness. And, and now it's, I mean, a thousand-yard receiver on this franchise doesn't happen often. He's got, he needs a hundred yards to get it. I mean, you're going to be a little greedy and try to get it for him on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Obviously, we'd uh, love to get the win, and, it, and that would be cool for Tyler. Um, you know, I think another thing that's not lost on us either, really, with Tyler and Drake, you know, two rookies that have played a lot of, you know, snaps for us over the years on offense, it's encouraging to see them start to peak towards the end of the year. You know, as you build this thing going forward, that's the thing that sometimes gets these guys. It's such a long season. I know you guys hear that a lot, but that part is encouraging. Those guys have improved, and I think both those guys are playing their best football right now. Coach, back on October 9th, I don't want to remind you, but i got to mention this. We got robbed by the officials down there in Tampa. Um, I'm just curious, changes from that game? Can you go back that far and look at that game and say, all right, what what did we do? How did we play at the end of that game? Because we were having success. And then implement that into this this week's game plan. Do you do that or is it just too far gone? 
No, I mean, you, you look at things schematically, you know, they'll have some new wrinkles and they may try to attack Dez different, uh, you know, on some passing situations like, like a lot of guys do. And, you know, he's had the – Dez had the kitchen sink thrown at him mm. from New Orleans and Baltimore and Arizona was throwing a lot at him, as most people do against young quarterbacks. So he'll have a couple of wrinkles there, I'm sure he'll throw at him. But, you know, some of the stuff on first, second down, that it'll be very similar to what we saw earlier. And um, that's what happens in the divisional games. I mean, schematically, personnel, you know each other pretty well, and you're trying to tweak things. So we're excited about it. We want to win another game at home and end the season the right way. I know I asked you about McGarry last week and how he's really improved uh, his effort this season. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson, is he going to be healthy enough to go? And how, did, I mean, how would you grade those guys last week as far as Hennessy, et cetera? Yeah, I thought Hen- uh, Matt Hennessy played really well. I mean, it was encouraging. You know, he'd had the one start against the Chargers, and I thought he was playing pretty well before he, he had to go out of that game. And then we put him on IR. He worked his way back. And uh, I thought he played with a lot of speed in, in, the, in the run game, uh, playing at guard. I thought he worked well together with, with Jake and Drew. And uh, so that, that part was encouraging. Elijah, you know, he's – we'll see how the week goes. He, you know, he tried to get out there a little bit today. Um, and we'll just have to see how the rest of the week goes. But I was definitely encouraged by Hennessy. Coach, you know, and I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, we talked about it with you, I think, in the offseason, and you were like, we don't care. And, and and what I mean is people were picking this team to win two games. And, and we're 6-10. and 10. Right. We got a chance to be 7-10. and 10. And and I guess you know I th- I'm sitting here thinking about the progress that you've made with this roster and what you've been able to do. And, and listen, we've been very um, encouraged and certainly very um, you know uh, uh, as far as being on your side to what you've been able to do with this roster. We keep saying more talent, more more this, more that. We're going to be something. Where are you at with what this season has turned out to be? We got one week left. We're six win football team again. People are picking this team to win two games. Yeah, I mean, I think you go into everything. I mean, you know, we we came out here, uh, you know, aggressive, and this team has worked extremely hard. And there's a lot of uh, people talk about culture all the time and the climate you have in the building. I mean, I I think what's what's very encouraging if you watch the way our guys work, just from you know going back to the spring and training camp, but everybody's optimistic, and you get into a Wednesday in Week 18, and these guys are flying around. That's become our our culture. You know, guys know they play one way, and you see it on Sundays. And we've taken this approach, and we set our expectations high. And we're never going to sit there and, and lower the bar. So, you know, we're, we're disappointed because we feel like just about every game, it's these guys are, are fighting, and, and we've had our chances. And uh, But I think the foundation, what I'm encouraging, the foundation is there. You know, the, the identity, I think people understand when they play us, what kind of game they're going to get into. And uh, – so I'm very encouraged. I mean, you've seen it. You know what Seattle did first couple of years with Pete Carroll. You saw it with Kyle out in San Fran, and what happened after a couple of years and Buffalo too. And so that's when you're trying to build it the right way. And, and people use that word when you have a shared vision. And we have some really good young foundational players, and we'll continue to add. So uh, the future is very bright for us. I know we'll get a chance hopefully to debrief you or the exit interview next week, but uh, as soon as the season's over, you and Terry Fontenot get together and start prioritizing what you got to get? Yeah, those are strategies and, and things that we plan out. We've got a great football staff, and we'll continue to talk. We talk all the time. Uh, you know, obviously we're in the season, you're focused, but you also understand that, you know, with the football staff and the planning, because things creep on you quick. You know, the season's long, and, 
you know, it's our job to be ready to go because as soon as the season ends, there's a lot of stuff that we that get going on. You got the senior bowl coming up, all this stuff, and it, it, it doesn't stop. And uh, that's the exciting part about this job. Coach, I just want to ask you this before we let you go. You talk a lot about situational football. Um, we were five and eight, or are five and eight in one possession games. We're se- we were seven and two last year. Okay, right. Is that just situational football? I mean, how do you do? How do you define that? Where you go from last season seven and two in those one possession games to this year, and we could go down the list of games, right? I mean, this team could easily we could talk about it. Would have, could have, should have. We could have nine wins. We could have ten wins. Maybe depending. Is that just situational football? No, I mean that's kind of a broad term. I mean, certainly there's clearly situations that come up, and but you get if you look at them, and, and which I have uh, plenty of times, you know, okay, what what was the difference? Mm-hmm. You know, last year that was a big thing when I got here, and I think you look at some of last year's games, and some of those were games we had the lead, and and we were able to cap them off. You know, a couple of them went back and forth, like Miami, New Orleans, we were able to hit a play and and end it very similar to how we ended the one against Arizona. Uh, you know, there's been more times probably this year where we've come storming back, which is probably different from a year ago. And, mm-hmm. and you talk about the bounce of the ball, right? The one in, in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, the double fumble and the target game. I mean, stuff that, you know, you, you, you can't even make it up if you wrote it in a movie. <laughs> but, uh, that one, the double fumble will, will always be the one that's just, yeah. I mean, that, statistically, I mean, for Eckler to fumble the ball there and the fact that we got it and they got it right back. I mean, that there's some things like that have happened. When you're talking about situational football, are you competent when you have control? Do you not make mistakes in critical moments, uh, procedures? Are your players in tune? Tyler Algier, no one to go down right there. You know, that is not worth the risk at the, you know, when you're inside the five-yard line. Yeah, you can punch it in, but why go get a kickoff? I mean, we certainly saw what happened in the Carolina game here at home. Um, things like that. So those things are encouraging. I think our guys at the end of the half where, you know, trying to score, understanding if they get the ball after half or we're trying to double somebody up at the end of the half, getting the ball back, trying to steal a possession. So I could go on and on and on. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of competent things that have happened and that give us a chance. Uh, but they're two different teams, and those scenarios have been a lot different. I know, and I know we we asked you this a few weeks back, but just to double down on it, if we're five hundred, we're four and four, we're leading, we're tied for the division. If the team had struggled more, would you have gone to Ritter sooner, or there was still always going to be a number of weeks you needed Ritter to finally grasp to be ready to play? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen. I mean, but you're trying to to make sure you're not rushing him out there. I mean, I think a big part of it too was there was a lot of encouraging things he did in the preseason, and and so did so did Marcus, but. Where we, we needed to establish up front, that was a big thing for us, uh, the lines of scrimmage. You put a young quarterback out there, and if you get him back out there and you, and you don't have the protection up front, uh, that, that could be a disaster. And, and, and so, you know, kind of where we were at, I thought we clearly had leaned into the way we ran the ball and, and the quarterback running game that I thought gave us a chance early on. And as he continued to improve and where our situation, you've got to be able to adapt and pivot. And that's what we did. You know, we, you assess where you're at. And I thought the timing, you know, sometimes you need a, a little bit of luck. I thought he was ready when we made the change. Could he have done it earlier? Yeah, we would have adapted. You know, it would have been a little bit different. We would have had to take a lot off his plate early on. And mm-hmm. But he was one play away all year. Uh, so I'm happy where he's at right now. 
And the way it worked out, I think, has been encouraging for Desmond. Cool. Let's go get one more. Um, good we'll, luck on we'll Sunday. We'll be there, Coach. We ain't going. We'll be no, there. no, no, no. We're, we're in this. We're in this pound, a penny pound, whatever. <laughs> we're in there. All right. Good luck, Coach. Thanks for the time today, and uh, let's finish strong. I appreciate it. Good cool. talking to y'all. Thanks, Thanks Coach. Coach. Arthur Smith, right there, man. Yeah. So I just want to throw it in there because I, I just because question. you and I, we really want to see more of him. I, I wish I had five or six weeks. We only get four. <sighs> yes, and and here's the big question: We'll never know if that change was made earlier. Do we have three more wins? That's right. something we'll never know uh, under these circumstances. All right, guys, coming up, Falcons speaking today for the first time, and they had a lot to say about what's going on in the NFL, specifically about DeMar Hamlin. We're going to let you hear a little bit of that. We'll get back into the dogs coming up at 540 because interesting comments from Connor Riley from Dog Nation about Kirby and Stetson you don't want to miss. It's Dukes and Bell. The strong arm story of the day is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. We've been talking a lot today about uh, keeping you guys updated on what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. But we also got a chance for the first time to hear from some Falcon players. And Mike and I are going to go back over these scenarios for the NFL because it is a big deal how they move forward in trying to play this game. I know many of you are like, Dukes and Bell don't play it. There's too much as far as competitive balance and the implications of how the playoffs may look and who gets a, a, an advantage because this game may not be played. But before we get to that, because there are various scenarios and guys hitting us up, Mike Bell, ATL, I mean, put them up, see Dukes saying, I'd go with scenario one, scenario two. Guys are going back and forth on this, Mike, and I, I don't know which one is the right one. But let's hear from some Falcons because guys now getting back to practice, getting ready for the last week of the season – and you're getting a chance to hear what some guys were thinking. Now, we just had on Coach, so I want you to hear Eric Harris because um, he said he prepared remarks that he read to the team in regards to this. Eric Harris, safety for Atlanta Falcons. It was, don't lose sight, it's just a game. And the, mess, the first message was to the players, right? So I said, our, de- our identity becomes stats, contracts, or depth, uh, depth chart position. We chase a what, things, instead of a why, our purpose. We allow ego and outside noise to determine our confidence. After a good game, we run the social media to seek approval of others. We look at their comments and repost of highlights to build our ego and confidence. Just to go out and have a bad game, and we lose who we are. I said, their praise becomes slander, and our confidence becomes depression. We ball on the field, so we love and stay patient in our relationships off the field. I said, then we, we fail on the field, so we become impatient, disconnected in relationships off the field. We have allowed a game to identify us, don't lose sight. And then to the fans, it was, we put our money in pots and have drafts just to let human beings control our emotions for six months of the year. Now, again, it would be a little more powerful if they didn't have ping pong in the background, but the sentiment is there. I agree with you. Uh, and listen, you know, that that's guys letting loose and having some fun with some teammates. But Eric Harris was trying to tell you there's been some real thought behind how guys feel about what's going on. Michael Walker's another one, Mike, and, and he was asked about, you know, where's your head when it comes mm-hmm. to what you saw with the Bills and the Bengals and specifically uh, DeMar Hamlin? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, in the days, no one could sit there and see something like that and just say, oh, they're just going to flush it. You know, it's in the back of your mind no matter what. Right. Um, I mean, it's, for me, just watching it was just a routine tackle. So, like, it wasn't yeah. nothing crazy, no freak accident. Like, I mean, it was just a good football play, in my opinion. So, like, for us, watching something like that, it's always going to sit there in the back of your mind, but you got you to try to put it in the back and go out there and play. So, with that said, go out and play. They will not play this game this week. 
At least that's what the NFL has said. But week 18 will proceed. So, Mike, what does the league do? What's the best option? Do they absolutely have to play this game, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you've still got Kansas City. And, again, we did the scenarios for guys who are not familiar. I think most people are, but I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Kansas City can be the number one seed right now. The season, if we don't play this game, they're going to win that. And then they don't have to go to Buffalo. If Buffalo wins out, they are going to win the tiebreaker because both they and the Bengals beat Kansas City head-to-head. Now, if the Chiefs fall to the uh, Raiders and the Bengals win the following two games, including that Bills game that have to be made up, then they would win the number one seed. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts to this. But the Bengals, remember, guys, we said this. Bengals can go on the road. We've seen that last year. You talked about it yesterday. Yep. They won all their games. They won two of their three on the road. The Chiefs have never won a playoff game with Patrick Mahomes outside of Arrowhead Stadium. This was the year in the, when Buffalo got up to that great start. Then they had a bit of a wobble you know, with Josh Allen. But this is the year that was going to go through Buffalo. But they've got to play this game uh, to get that. So the scenario, and there's a bunch of scenarios. Can I just, can I just jump down to number four? Yes. Because this is the one which to me makes the most sense. Week 18 would proceed as scheduled the following weekend. The NFC, so you know, you're still not playing Bengals, Bills in this week. But then the week the NFC wildcard games are played, you could play the Bengals and Bills game. That's and the then, weekend of the 15th, correct, 16th. Correct. I like that idea, to be honest with you. I do, too. Um, you would then play the next weekend the AFC wildcard games. So you do NFC, then AFC, and then the rest of the playoffs would unfold, but without a bye week between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. But if the Eagles stay number one seed, they'd be off for two weeks. And that's the only concern. And you say, is that fair? The Eagles would tell you, yeah, because we get rest. But what if they come out rusty and lose, Mike, and then people say, well, wait a minute, are all of our momentum from the end of the season got taken away? You can look at this in many ways. All we're telling you is this is a decision Roger Goodell is going to have to make, and if you're going to say it doesn't matter, that the game is canceled, it's, a, it's declared a no contest, the practical impact would be that the Bills and the Bengals would have one fewer game. Seeding for the postseason would be determined then based on winning percentage, and we move forward. The Chiefs get the number one seed, and let's stop crying about this. That's what a lot of people feel like because they don't want to see these two teams have to play again unless, Mike, it's down the road, obviously, later in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you're asking the Bills to go back to Cincinnati in two weeks, are they mentally prepared to step back on that field where all of that emotion mm-hmm. was left? But the, again, but this goes back to the, the playoff structure and the picture. It's it's, I can't speak for the emotions that would be at play, but it still behooves the Bills. I hate to use that word, but it behooves the Bills to play this game because they can still be the number, number one, one seed, seed in the AFC. Yeah, and, and then have everybody come to their house. Now, what probably, what I at least am hoping, is that Demar gets better. And this Bills team, Mike, rallies around that and says, of course, we need to get this game in. We've got to play. And hopefully things take a turn for the better. As of right now, guys, um, we've been mentioning it all day, but the Bills put out a statement. He's showing signs of improvement. We don't know exactly what Mm. that means, but it is good news. We want to give one of our listeners a lucky chance to win some tickets right now. Hawks are going to take on the Heat MLK Day Monday, January 16th at State Farm Arena. Caller number seven right now at 404-741-0929. That's 404-741-0929. Caller seven, we're giving you tickets to go check out the Hawks and Heat MLK Day at State Farm Arena. When we come back, what's going on between Stetson Bennett and Kirby? You'll hear from a guy who gave us more info on that next on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Who will challenge the dogs atop the college football throne? Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone, and the drought is over. It's time for the road to the college football playoffs on Dukes and Bell. He's got all the postseason experience. We're talking about another national championship opportunity for Stetson Bennett. 28-3 record as Georgia's starter. And, of course, with the postseason experience, Mike, you got to think that he has the edge in this matchup when you talk about the quarterbacks. TCU's Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett. Mm. Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Max Duggan, guys, led the Big 12 in passing yards, passing touchdowns. And I just want to say, for those who hadn't watched him play, there have been times this year, Mike, he's just put him on his back. He's just carried the Horny Frogs, the Horn Frogs, right. to a victory. And I don't know if that happens in this Georgia game, but I do think that there's a lot more responsibility on Duggan and the way that they play for him to make those plays. Stetson Bennett has just been steady and sure, and you trust him, and Mike, he's clutch. We know right. this. And you and I spent a lot of time at the end of the show yesterday, spent some time today. Had a lot of folks that are dog fans saying there's nothing to talk about. Kirby calling out Stetson. Yeah, Stetson played like crap for two quarters of the four, and then he dialed it in like he always does and responded. But uh, it just seemed to me a little, I don't know, focused, a little over the top at the time. In that, I mean, I think you could say, hey, man, we got to get a pass rush. You know, we, we asked earlier mm-hmm. with Connor Riley, I said, what's up with the secondary? He goes, it's not the secondary. Your front guys are not getting the job done. That's why you got to blitz so much. So you don't, you can't expect Keely Ringo or Smith or any of these guys to hang around for five seconds with those, with those caliber wide receivers. All right. So I said, I think it was Tuesday. Okay. Cause Monday we were, we were off, but I said, my concern going into this game is that TCU has the kind of wide receivers that can continue to exploit the secondary of Georgia. Quentin Johnson, guys, six balls for 163 yards and a touchdown in that game in the national semifinal game. Here is what Connor Riley said specifically about DBs and where the issue is. I'm going to go against the grain here. I don't think this is a secondary issue. I think this is a front seven issue. They can't get pressure with four. As good as Jalen Carter is, uh, he can't win consistently enough to impact a passer there. And so they have to blitz with five, six guys to consistently create pressure and C.J. Stroud, I'll give him all the credit in the world. I was dead wrong on him. Uh, he was able to create and make plays with his legs throughout the game. 
and that really hurt this Georgia defense. It's hard to cover players of Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka's ability for five, six, seven seconds, and that's what Keely Ringo, Kamari Lasseter, guys in that secondary, in my opinion, were asked to do routinely throughout the night. And so I think if this Georgia defense is going to make an adjustment, I don't think it has to come from the back end. I think it has to come with just getting home and being better at creating pressure. There were times late in that game where Georgia was able to get through, but they weren't able to get Strat on the ground. None more bigger than I think that final offensive play of the game from Ohio State. It sort of gets lost because they missed the kick. But Shmael Munden busts through the line nearly unblocked. And, and Shmael Munden, excuse me, and has a chance to bring him down. And, and Stroud was able to escape and, and make that a throwaway. And instead of turning that into a loss of seven, eight, nine yards and really pushing them out of field goal range, because I'll be honest, I thought they were making that field goal there. Uh, Stroud's able to, to, to throw it away and get an incompletion there. So I, I think this game against TCU against a quarterback like Max Duggan, who is better with his legs than C.J. Stroud is, they have to get to the quarterback, and more importantly, because it's been an issue throughout the season, they have to finish when they get there. They can't just get back there and break contain and have Duggan you know, scramble around. They're going to have to find a way to get him on the ground because he, he is absolutely good enough with his legs to hurt you if you allow him to do so. So he had thrown four interceptions all season long. He doesn't throw the ball up. He doesn't give it to the other team. But, Mike, he had two picks against Michigan, and they still dominated Michigan the way that they did. Now, you're going to say, well, Dukes and Bell, of course, Michigan's not Georgia. We know. But the point is, guys, their defense was very similar. They weren't giving up a lot of points, and he gave it to them twice, and they still dominated them offensively. And if you go back and look at it, you know, Hutchinson, Ajabo, all the guys that they graduated to the NFL – they were some of their parts defense that might have been better the way George's was, although we just talked about pass rush. So you're right. And Michigan, i got to be honest, Michigan was talking a lot of noise going into this. that They were going to, you know, Big Ten football. We're going to power these guys out. Not the way it worked. They were in control. They won that game. They led that game start to finish. Think about it. Harbaugh running a reverse and a fourth and goal. I mean, that was like, what the hell is that? So Michigan looks so out of character in that one. So this is a tough football team. Let me just go back to the defense real quick. Jalen Carter, we know he was double-teamed at times, uh, and sometimes they were putting chicken wings on him, they were tackling him. But that offensive line did a pretty good job. Jalen Carter was – we spent almost all last week talking about how Jalen Carter was going to be the X-Factor, and he was not the X-Factor. He was ineffective. Did he do his job? Yes. But let me ask you this. Also gassed a little bit, too, out there at times, coming well, off the field. Yeah, but let me ask you this. What if I told you Ohio State ran for 153 yards? They ran the ball. I know you don't think they did. It averaged out, and they, that was like 30 attempts, right? They ran 450 yards. Guys, here's the thing about TCU. They're a better running football team than what you just faced. And their quarterback is a better runner. You just heard Connor Riley talk about it than what you just faced. 153, 24 carries, Mike. So if you ask me about Carter and how effective he was, you go, well, yeah, but we stopped the run. Not really. No. I mean, and certainly enough with the play action. I mean, Duggan does a little bit of play action in the Sunny Dykes offense. And uh, the guy we're talking about for them is Kendra Miller. He's the 1,300-yard rusher, 17 touchdowns. Physical. Catches the ball, two out of the backfield. He's the one dealing with the knee injury. And everything else, they've got good backups. But Georgia, if he doesn't go, a huge advantage to Georgia. If he does go, he won't be 100%. All right, let's talk about Stetson Bennett and Kirby Smart. Because I told you yesterday, I did not like the comments for Kirby with Holly Rowe after the game and calling out his quarterback. His quarterback has since answered and basically said, listen, I trust my coach. I wouldn't expect Stetson Bennett to say anything else when it comes to Kirby. But their relationship, and we asked Connor Riley about this from Dog Nation, about what is their relationship? Yeah, strained isn't the word I would use. Uh, you know, Stetson's always sort of had this relationship with Kirby and with the coaches. He's been up front and honest. You know, it's not this rosy, you know, player-coach relationship that they, they have pointed out. 
they, you know, they butted heads at times. Stetson didn't necessarily agree with Todd Munkin uh, benching him in the 2020 season. And that's natural to understand. If And no one wants to get benched. Uh, and, you know, Stetson, I think, is a different type of player that we view him through this lens because he's not this five-star robot that goes through things. I think him and Duggan as well, uh, you know, both these guys got benched during their college careers. And that forces you to look at things differently and really go through a lot of adversity because these guys love football. Stetson has said time and time again, the only thing he's ever thought about doing is playing football. And to have that taken away, you know, I think it forces you to look at things differently and view things through a different lens. You know, obviously he's got to be better than he was at the end of the second quarter and then obviously in the third quarter. But I can tell you right now, there's no one Kirby Smart trusts more in the world when this team needs a win or needs to make a big play than Stetson Bennett in this program right now. Yeah, I mean, the lateral to McConkey things that, you know, there's some things were off script, or at least Kirby, that's the improvisation that Kirby does not want to see. But one of the things that did come up, and we talked to Connor about this last month when Buster Faulkner was named the offensive coordinator for Georgia Tech, is if, if it does get a little testy between Munkin and uh, Bennett, Faulkner was the, was the guy that kind of the go-between. He was okay. kind of like, you know, he, was, he was Switzerland on this deal, trying to work with both parties to get everybody on the same page with the game. Well, plan. listen, you need, you need somebody. First of all, I, I don't know what Todd's coaching style is. For that matter, you just don't think that Kirby yells at everybody, right? I would hope you don't think that. But you coach players differently. And when you start to know what buttons to push for certain players, Mike, maybe Kirby mm. understands what those buttons are. With Stetson Bennett and, you know, this 28-3 record as the Georgia starter, I think he's got a pretty good idea. Was this just a ploy to make him play better? Was this a ploy to call him out in a situation where he hasn't called out his defensive tackle or his star linebacker or his star cornerback in the similar fashion he did with Stetson Bennett after that game in any game since he's been at Georgia? Is this how he motivates Stetson Bennett? I don't know. But, Mike, you got to look at it from the standpoint of these guys – you got to have somebody that gets after a guy, and you also got to have somebody that, that, and I experienced this, where you have a coach that you can go to and talk to, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that says, man, it's going to be all right. right. Because for guys who were coming at us earlier on the text line, no, I don't know if Stetson got the big head. I don't know if he's got the big man on campus and the, the NIL deal and the truck and everything else. I don't know. Guys want to have fun with that, knock yourself out on a chat room. All I know is the guy puts up the results. And there was a, there was a patch of that game that was as ugly as, as anything he's put on tape all season. And then he got it in gear, just like he did in the Missouri game where he was threading the needle. He made the plays. Ohio State defensive backs, they looked like the Keystone Cops. His Stetson went right down the field on him. So the result was there. This one, to me, maybe it will come down who runs the ball more effectively, too. You yeah. know, I know. And by the way, the over-under is in the, or low 60s. This game's going to be a high-scoring game. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Kirby talked about that. We played it earlier about these national championship games and how they are high-scoring affairs. 404-741-0929. I hope you're hearing us. We're not telling you Kirby doesn't like Stetson. We're not telling you Stetson doesn't like Kirby. We're not telling you any of that. But like any working relationship, sometimes there's friction. That's it. And, and by the way, if you're a quarterback and you're co- and you're quarterback in the dogs and you've done all this stuff, don't you want to be trusted? Don't you want to feel like, hey, I, coach, I got this? You don't have to be in my ear the entire time. Right. I think a little bit of that plays. And here's the other thing. We're not talking about a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, he's a 25-year-old young man. So right. th- I think, Mike, those things are f- at play here. It doesn't mean they won't go get the job done and they will work together and do everything they can to win another national championship. Wah, 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 That's right. Wah, wah. That's right. And so, again, tough love. Nobody, Georgia fans don't care as long as you get the result and then etched in history if you can get it done Monday night. One last nugget. Uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow in Guy Talk, but this one is, is a head-scratcher. No one debates Bobby Petrino's offensive play-calling acumen. 
Jimbo Fisher prided himself as a play caller everywhere he's been, including his head coach for Florida State and A&M. Uh, it happened today. Barrett Silly, our buddy, got it first. Bobby Petrino joins the A&M staff as the offensive coordinator. Watch your back, Jimbo. He's gone for other people's jobs. Remember that clandestine meeting? To oh, yeah. Talk to Bobby Louder about putting Tommy Tuberville out. You are getting in league with the dark lord of college football, the lifeless eyes, and a man devoid of a human soul. Bobby Petrino coming to College Station. He's going to call the plays. It is interesting, Mike. And he had taken a job with UNLV. But yeah. A&M offered him more money. Again. They offered him more money. This guy will cut you. He will stab you in the back. Yeah. He's Bobby. And if, and if he leaves, won't do it face-to-face. There'll be, <laughs> be a photocopy of a bye-bye letter. A, good, a Dear John letter taped to your locker. Hey, coming up, we got some stuff we got to get to, guys, including Hawks in action tonight. Can we get a win on the road? Maybe? Dukes and Bell. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.